That's a very anticlimactic ending there. How do we get us up here? Here we go. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out the 21 Gun Podcast. I am your host, as always, Kevin Sullivan, the man with the beard. No longer am I ever going to have a mustache again. Only because that whole, I have this obsession that I have no chin. And I know I've talked about this, but I'm still going to talk about it. Yeah. And when I shave it and the mustache actually comes out about uh, an inch and a half, a very burly mustache, it, it turns me into... Mr. Smithers. No, not Mr. Smith. Mr. Burns. Mr. I, Burns. I look like Mr. Burns or, or Homer, or a, a Simpsons character. It's an awful thing. So we grow our beards. We grow our fake chins. We try to look more manly. And then we come to you guys with this wonderful, wonderful podcast. Uh, that first little video there, that is, uh, we're not going to talk about it yet. That's a hint of something we're going to be talking about. Um, the Air Force has announced their new PT gear. I... Well, we're going to talk about that later because I could just go on and on it. about that. It. I could go on and on about that. Um, so anyways, thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, I've already gave you your introduction. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not fasting tonight, but I am going to be fasting again next week. So uh, I don't remember if I talked about it because I was kind of out of it. I was spaced out. I was on day four and I just couldn't keep a straight thought. But then last week I had bounced back because I was done with my fast and I felt a little bit better. Uh, and now I'm going to go right back into it. I'm we gave go- him a Snickers. I'm going to go right back into it. I don't know why I look, look, it's, there's a number of reasons why you do it. And and if anyone's in it, like you do some fasting, right? It's called sleep. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> human beings, Essentially, yeah, human beings are meant to, I guess, fast during the night. I usually go about 12 hours out without food roughly at a time. That's good. That's good. I tell people try to go 18, 14 to 18, and then you eat in a six hour window. I mean, uh, we, I don't remember if I talked about this on here <clears> or if it's just my memory of talking to a patient. You might've. Every single person is going to give you their own dietary advice. I mean, all it takes is, hey, I want to, and they're just going to regurgitate all their dietary advice to you. And everybody's different. Every single person is different. However, the human body is made for hunting and gathering, right? We didn't have food all the time, just shoving it in our faces, wake up, eat, go to bed, eat, wake up in the middle of the night. We just didn't have that. It wasn't part of our bodies or or part of our, our, I guess, (laughs) lifespan 200,000 years ago. Uh, so what I find that fasting does, and I do this with a lot of patients, is it, it allows your body to not get freaked out when there's food not around. So like at hour 16 to 20, instead of, this is after you do it a few times, instead of that hangry, that like, ah, I want to eat, it's like, it's like a guy in the next room who's just like, hey, I might want to eat in, in a little bit. And you're like, okay, I'll get to you later. I got other shit to do. And it works great with like, like traveling, I go to Silky's hikes and I don't have to travel on my stomach. A lot of like my dad, I probably watching. Uh, it, it's always like, all right, when are we going to go eat? We got to go eat here. Oh, we're going to go fly there. Okay. What time are we landing? Cause then we got to eat. What, what can we get the, and it's like, if you, if you get into this sort off, of yeah. this ability to fast, uh, yeah, that, that just becomes kind of second nature. So, and then I do it every now and then because there's all sorts of data. I don't want to bore you, but there's all sorts of data about it. Uh, uh, 
I'm trying to think how I can explain it without sounding like a nerd. It's too late, I guess, for nerd. that. But it's like um, it causes what we call autophagy, where you have these cells that kind of eat up all the dead cells. Right. Um, it increases your uh, adrenaline because your body is like, hey, we need to stay awake because we need to find food. Increases growth hormone, increases your metabolism so you don't um, get t- like you think about it. If our ancestors didn't eat for a day and they just went and slept under a tree. Um, yeah, so that's why I do it. So I was just explaining that because next week I'm going to be doing it. And yes, by day four, you do want to go under a tree. But my, uh, I think my fasting, even if I snack, is mostly just like an apple or some popcorn lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something simple. I like, I like to eat. My rule is meat and vegetables. Like I try to stick really close to, I guess we call it a caveman or that paleo diet. And, um, and I do pretty good with that, I guess. Um, been doing it better. I just, I feel better. And what's amazing. And, and if you check out that interview I did with, with Mark Gordon and, uh, Andrew Marr about TBI, it's pretty good. Go listen to it. And, and I've, I've heard a few people say this, including myself. I mean, I didn't hear myself say it, but, uh, you change your diet and a lot of your symptoms, a lot of your anxiety, depressive symptoms, all that stuff seems to go away. Um, at least for me, it was about a 50% reduction in, 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 uh, symptoms. So, so if I'm out and about on a hike and you offer me a beer, I probably won't drink it, but don't take offense to it. It's my problem, not yours. Speaking about beer, uh, when I think about fasting, Joe Rogan does it too. Um, he does sober October where they spend the entire month of October sober. So Oktoberfest <laughs> is sober. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do nothing. They do nothing and they stay completely sober. I was thinking we could do something along those lines. I think we could. You don't- mean he can do something along no, no, no. those lines? Hear me out. Hear me out. We'll do. I don't want to take Joe Rogan's thing because you know we're, we compete against the same audience. But I get that. It's it's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's just you know because every now and then you need to. And then during that time, right? You you plan it out. You say, okay, I'm not going to drink during this episode or during this. You do stuff like yoga. You do breathing techniques, meditation. It all it all helps fix this right up here. I'm telling you, 99% of what's wrong in in mental health world yeah we've got our shit that you know our dysfunction on, on how we we um i guess uh understand memories and things like that yeah that's that's one thing but the actual inflammatory uh, uh symptoms of anxiety and depression man they can they can improve remarkably uh, just doing things like that. Breathing. Go into downward dog. Relax your shoulders. Relax your neck. Kind of do that. Just breathe right. for 10 minutes. Holy crap. I guarantee you're going to feel better. But that's neither here. I'm going to say something real quick. So those of y'all who are tuning in, make sure that you authorize Facebook to use or authorize StreamYard to use Facebook comments in the chat. So sometimes it'll come up as Facebook users. So whoever said I was at TQ with the CBs doing runway repairs, we don't know who you are. So authorize StreamYard to use Facebook um, comments so we can see who you are. Um, the other thing too, and I think this is important. This is old. Remember every now and then I put dad hat on. Yep. Uh, most of all my mistakes, uh, things I look back on where I'm like, Oh, I have, I don't know if you have any of those. Sometimes I think to myself, it's like a level of PTSD for just stupid things you do. Right. Cause like it'll, it'll, it'll go into my, I'll be, I'll be laying in bed at night and I'll think of something I did. And it's like, <laughs> don't think about that. I would have to say 99% of them, even when I was a young Air Force officer, alcohol, alcohol played a direct role very well in that situation. So I'm, you know what? We're going to do that this year. I'm not sure when, Jeremy, we're going to do it. You know what? Fuck it. Get, give me a time. Not okay. After my housewarming party, please. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Not, give I mean, me we some time later and I will happily do that with All you. Right, Cause that's, that's the whole reason why I buy nice whiskey. You know, I can worry end. about not going a long period. I you, can worry you, about. You do realize that drinking whiskey though is not a sober 
October thing, right? You know, there's no, booze in it. But the point being is that <laughs> I buy expensive whiskey, so I don't have to keep drinking it. It's oh, always right. kind of here and there. Yes. Yeah. If you beer, spend a, you're always drinking. If you spend a hundred bucks on a bottle of whiskey, you won't want to drink it. You'll just kind of leave it there. And, and I don't, I mean, I honestly don't think it's going to be that hard, but again, I'm old. Uh, I think there's a whole like if you're hanging out with friends and stuff and, and whatever. Sorry, Mike, this isn't meant for you. Uh, Mike Stojic <laughs> owns a bar. We will go, at the end of it, we will go and spend a lot of a lot of money uh, with you. I'll spend I, some. He'll spend a lot. I was thinking, um, when I was writing these notes, I was thinking... Uh, Thank you, Keith. Bad, bad decisions with... Well, whiskey and bad decisions, right? How many times we did that? Uh, Too many. When we were in Qatar, or Qatar, however you pronounce it, I was there for about six weeks back in 04, maybe, and uh, they allowed you to have some booze, not much. Uh, I think they cut you off after three, and we decided that they had these two Borgs, I th- that's a type of beer, uh, that were 16 ounce and, I don't know, 7% alcohol. So we had our three two Borgs, and you could get a nice little desert buzz going on. Well, the Aussies, they didn't. They had unlimited beer. And so they're like, hey, you want to come over and hang out with us? And I'm like, yes, yes, we do. So we got into a, a Toyota headed over to the, the Aussie side and had a, it was the greatest thing. We had this barbecue. They're just grilling. Like, so all the regulations that the Americans put in that made right. our life suck, they didn't have. Like they're wearing, they had their, their uh, camouflage pants were cut off. They're wearing flip flops, shirts off. They're stupid. No, they're Sounds not stupid. Amazing. You know, they're, they're crazy Aussie hats that <laughs> goes with their uniform. And they got us shit faced holy crap uh kevin greenwood i shouldn't say his name kevin green because he's probably a commander now i shouldn't say his name kevin greenwood uh (laughs) he and i he and i left that cookout and it's about 120 degrees and i they had the bunkers in between the the hard billets and we're running oh that's right the the um uh, security forces saw us we looked we were obviously wasted we're coming from the aussie side so they were trying to nab us uh, I mean, how beautiful would it be to grab two second lieutenants who are drunk. I mean, that that's a great that's a great nab. So uh, we're running from bunker to bunker to bunker to bunker. I fell down. I twist my ankle. We end up getting into the defac and hiding amongst the TCNs who are serving at third country nationals who are serving up the food. Right. And um, yeah, so that's alcohol. You don't have to do it. We're gonna have a sober October. Well, yeah, you got Frank over here. I quit drinking for good. Now he drinks for evil. <laughs> Good job, man. <laughs> Is that Frank Easterling? Yes. No, the one and only Frank the, the Tank. And Frank only. the Tank. Hey, Frank, I'm thinking in my mind that I want to get a third mic, right? So we have Jeremy, and then I have a little chair over here where I want to put, which actually I was supposed to have a camera on, but I forgot to hook it up. Uh, I want you to sit there, and you're going to have your own mic and everything, if you want it, if you want the job. And then it'll be, you'll be like um, Ed McMahon. Like, you can be over there and just, <laughs> Frank, we need you over here, man. I'm just saying. Just I know you're joking. Cause you're I know local. you're at home. You're on, you're watching, so I know you can come over. Tonight's tonight's guest. Oh, make sure you head over to 21gun.net. Watch, listen, and hear everything related to 21gun. You can even pick yourself up a 21gun t-shirt. Tonight's guest is Mitch Taco Bell. Lieutenant Colonel Bell joined the Marine Corps in 1986. Uh, whenever I hear that, I picture like, I don't know when they switched over from fatigues, the green thing. Remember like on um, Stripes? Where they oh, had those yeah, yeah. green Vietnam era? I just picture that with 80s uh, people in the military. He was winged a naval aviator, aviator in January of 1991. He flew the KC-130, uh, very similar to the C-130, except it has a K involved, which usually means alcohol. Uh, alcohol. <laughs> uh, uh, kerosene, I think. It's um, it's a fuel, refueler. Uh, in Cherry Point, North Carolina, Okinawa, Japan, Fort Worth, Texas, in the reserves. His primary duties, duties were recruiting for nine of his 29 years. Dude. 
in the Marine Corps, uh, blah, 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 before retiring in June of 2015. He assists with a bunch of charities. Uh, I'll read off a few here. We got the DFW, Skyball, Snowball Express, Salute the Troops, Dallas Military Ball, Purple Hearts Re- Reunited, Marine Corps Metroplex, Cowtown Cow Warrior Ball, and Gainesville Medal of Honor Parade. That would be really cool. Um, uh, every time I meet a Medal of Honor person, I just, I, I'm not one to not be able to talk, but I'm always just like, <laughs> I met Clip Romache and I didn't know what to say to him. I didn't know what to, I, know what to do with my hands. I was like, you got a cool beard. That's what I said. That was my first thing. And I'm like, and I could you hear, caress it. I could hear myself saying it from like a few feet away. It was like, I was watching myself Beating on himself. autopilot and I'm like, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? You could have said anything, but I like your beard. Yeah. Clint Romache, <laughs> for Christ's sakes. Um, oh, head over to irreverentwarriors.com for everything IW. Uh, I don't know if you want to pull that up, but sure get yourself can. some gear. Actually, I put the, go to number one, I put that link on there. Get yourself some gear, get yourself some 22 Sierra dark, dark humor coffee, some silky shorts, or better yet, guys, pick up a fanny pack for 20% fanny. off. Use promo code Fanny March. 2021 Nate come on can we put like a 47 letter code here uh promo code fanny march 2021 and you get 20 percent off all fanny packs through the end of march so if you don't have a fanny pack go pick yourself one up for i've got mine i got the tan one awesome and then if you don't april will come around you'll be paying 20 percent more and you'll be all pissed at yourself or or better yet double your spending power. You don't get any, well, no, I was going to say you don't get anything physical in return, but you get a heck of a lot more in return. If uh, you donate through vet TV, you have until March 15th, vet TV um, will match dollar for dollar with whatever did pull up uh, just type it in there. Just do vet tv.com slash donate. This is how we do it. We produce on the fly. So uh, here's the site. Here's the website. And look, I want you guys to see something here. <laughs> nope. VetTV.com. Veteran TV. Veteran, yeah. Let's do that. Brazzers came up. It was really, it was like on your. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, VetTV.com. VeteranTV.com forward slash donate. Donate. Here we go. Okay. Uh, X out of that. The X is on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, Right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So scroll down. Let's take a look. Let's look. What? $24.96, guys. Come on. Really? $24.90. $24.90. I donated, and every dollar you donate, donate, uh, donate remember, Vet TV is going to match that. So if you donate, uh, they're looking for $25,000. So donate $22,000, and they will match $22,000, and you'll be a hero. Just uh, saying. Come on, guys. And what do you get at? That's fifty grand. That's fifty grand for Reverend Warriors for doing these these silky hikes and for getting stuff done. I mean, um, I donated twenty. I mean, I'm not. Twenty grand? Jesus. $20. If I had 20 grand, I would not be worrying about buying this house. Yeah, we also wouldn't be at 2496. We got some um, cool things coming up. Hopefully, we'll be in uh, planning as far as doing some uh, last minute donations there. But yeah, come on, just go over there, click the button. I know you want to click it. I know you want to click it. Visit right now vettv.com, veterantv.com slash donate. What was the math you did earlier? If everybody donates 50 cents? Oh, yeah, there's 50. So we say there's something like 50,000. Uh, hikers associated. Um, what's that? What's up? What's up? So, no, hashtag so. It's Gus Gus. Uh, thanks brother. Um, what were we just talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's 50,000 of us that, uh, do hikes across the country. So if each person donate every single person, if every single person's like, I'm going to donate 50 cents, boom, we just met it. So if half of us just do $1, I'm going to do some Marine ass math right here. If one of us does 25,000 of us do $1, how much would they donate? 
25 thousand it'll be yeah. 50 we'll make we'll make our, our thing there so whatever um donate it'll be great i pay him to give the answers <laughs> uh i am going to call it right here i'm going to call it now officially right this second what time is it it's 8 15 on march no idea march 4th, 4th 2021 hike season has begun it has begun. It's technically tomorrow, but whatever. It has begun. Tomorrow night or tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night is Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They have a meet and greet. Um, that's Friday, March 5th, 7 to 10 p.m. at Walk-Ons. That's 3838 Burbank Drive in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So head out to that if you're going to go to the Baton Rouge hike. Go to the hike the next day. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, wear your mask. Wear your mask. Is that? I don't know. Did Louisiana drop the mask rule? I don't know. We're about to find out, though. <laughs> Bring your mask and listen to everything that the high coordinators tell you because we don't want to mess that up. Yeah, don't don't be that guy like, oh, it's, I'm against my health. Yeah, yeah, don't be stupid. Yeah, it just makes us look bad. March 13th, Hawaii. March 20th, Palm Springs, California. March 27th, Jacksonville Beach, Florida. That's where um, my buddy was stationed there in the Navy. I think that's where they do the P3 Orion training. I could be wrong. Uh, cool town. That was where I had my first. This is like I'm king of useless shit tonight. This is a you. That'll be the title of tonight's show: useless shit. But I had my first chicken biscuit breakfast oh. from what's the name of that place? Yes, Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. That's the first time I had one. Was in Jacksonville, God's Florida. Chicken. So go there on, on the 27th. Uh, what else do we have? But 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 April 10th, Tulsa, Oklahoma. April 12th, uh, April 10th, Jacksonville, North Carolina, April 17th, Oceanside, California. Going to be a lot of cool people at Oceanside. I'm going to see if I can get, um, oh no, they're not over there now. So never mind about that. I will let uh, Scott Husing know. Um, if you guys don't know Scott Husing and you're a Marine, you should check out his book. It's called Echo and Ramadi, but I know he's out in that area and uh, I got to let him know about that. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, April 17th, April 24th, Des Moines, Iowa, and April 24th, Fort Worth, Texas. So our guest tonight, I'm sure he just heard that. He's going to be there with short shorts doing some hike hikes. Um, we'll have him on in just a minute. It's officially time. Should I do the news stinger or just go into it? Yeah, fuck it. Do the news when stinger. Do it. Here it is. Do it. I feel like I'm stealing Nick Palamalishman. Palam that name. Nick Palamat. Palmaschiano, something. Palmana. Something like that. I feel like because he does a whole thing called. I don't know. He does a fake news show. Um, <laughs> but I'm sorry, Nick. He's right down the road, too. Uh, but I can't get him on the show. Neither here nor there. Uh, or it's officially time to discover what's around the AOR. So you might you might not know because uh, I've only talked about it fifty thousand times. It's just when you do a show, you know, your life only has so many things to talk about. Right. That's why you bring on guests because otherwise you're just repeating everything you say. But I was once a firefighter. I was a volunteer, and then I was a professional. Um, and then I discovered just yesterday firefighters because I don't remember this. It was twenty years ago. Firefighters do the same shenanigans that we in the military used to do. They have the same sort of atmosphere, the same sort of, um, I don't know, like humor and everything. So pull up number two. I met this guy, uh, and now he's my new best friend. Yeah. Yep. This guy right here. And I forgot his name. Sorry, brother. Look at his face. Look at that face. Yes. Tell me you don't want to hang out with him. He's like, I'm going to fuck you up. He comes around the corner. got smacked in the face with whipped cream. Great production, man. This guy does great production. Dead man. <laughs> he got the mug still. 
So that's um. What does it say? It's Firefighter Chronicles. Fire Department Chronicles. Um, yeah, we won't. We won't. We won't plug your stuff. So check him out. I didn't know firefighters <laughs> like that. Matthew James Reeves. Don't call him Matt. Uh, let me know next time. I didn't know you guys were still having. I didn't know it was like going back to a fraternity. I got to join my local um, volunteer fire department. Do it. Um. Okay. So the next one. Eh, eh. The Air Force PT uniforms have changed. Pull up that same picture meme. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. Oh, Verizon. What the fuck? Is that the... Task and no, I, I sent you... Well, I mean, yeah, there's that oh, picture. Oh, the photo. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a meme. So here we go. Uh, I don't know if you guys are fans of The Office, but we have corporate needs you to find the difference between the picture and this picture. I, I remember that episode. And she's like, they're the same picture. Can you blow up that the side-by-side there? Blow it up. Blow, you're going the wrong way. Nope. That's, oh. Uh, no, no. Well, because I don't have it saved, so... Oh, it won't... It won't yeah. enlarge. Enhance. Yeah. Enhance. No, I actually right. have to save the thing. All right. Then. Don't worry about it. But look at that. Okay. So if you can see it, if the viewers can see right now, on, on the right is the old PT uniforms. Horrendous. Horrend they were made by Skillcraft, the same company that makes pencils. Uh, they, didn't, they, they didn't move. They sounded like, I mean, we're talking like 400 decibels just walking by. It was like... <laughs> And they had, the, they're just terrible. Look at them. They're terrible. Um, the t-shirts didn't flex. They had nothing. So they said, do you know what? That's been going, we've had those for 16 years. It's time for the Air Force to change. It's time to make a change. And look what they did. Windbreaker to windbreaker. They did the same exact friggin' thing. Except uh, less uh, papery. Pull up the, uh, the article. So as Task and Purpose says, the Air Force's new workout uniforms don't look like dad gear anymore. Really? Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that task and purpose. Our main requirement from Air Force leaders was to develop a PT uniform that people really wanted to wear and is as good, if not better, than commercial available athletic wear. Tell me that doesn't sound like some NCO wrote that horrible oh, yeah. line. Commercially, it's it's not, if not as good, it's better. Yeah, people are going to be just jumping to get a pair of these things. They and went wear total them boot two on the back Air Force. Look oh yeah, that. look, I said it was uh, an NCO. Tracy Rowan said that, uh, chief of the Air Force Uniform Office Service. The new uniform now includes all of the great performance features that you'll find in athletic wear today. Does it? Does it? Does it? Come on, Air Force. The new gear includes a jacket, a pair of pants, t-shirts, two pairs of shorts, one for running. What? Wait a minute. One for running and one for other activities like playing basketball or lifting weights. Running? Could they mayhaps, mayhaps have silkies? Ooh, now I'm intrigued. Could they wear have them silkies? Because I'm a jarhead, but... Yeah, I know, but I mean, if... Because it's kind of like the thing. We're wearing shorter shorts now, and it it's looks like... like her shorts are silkies-ish, and they look like they have pockets. I'm okay with it. Pockets. Pull up I, Pull up number four. Um, no. Oh, wait, no. It's the next one back. Yeah, okay. So... This is all I could find. But if the Air Force goes silkies, I might take back everything I just said. Uh, yeah, blow that. Enhance. 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 So it looks like Enhance. physical. That doesn't. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the uniform. Uh, no. You see, here's your normal, too, normal yeah. trunks and then, then shorter runner yeah, no. shorts. No, I'm going to go ahead and say those aren't silkies. Guys, you had me for a second. Almost and, there. Anyways, the approach the Air Force has now taken is develop a uniform that is earmarked for runners or running and one that is better designed, blah, 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 blah. You know what? One of the most humiliating things in my life was... Being in the Air Force? Yes. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think I told this story, but I was at uh, either Balad Air Base or somewhere, or somewhere in the sandbox. And I'm sitting there with my co-pilot having coffee. It's early in the morning, ready for a mission. Maybe it's in the middle of the night. I don't know. Remember? I, I, went, I was in the Air Force in 1917. So Alcohol, it's still... Right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was sitting there and I look across from me, maybe three tables up at the DFAC, one over to the right, is a, a team of SEALs. And I'm I'm a fanboy. If you blow, if you are a tactical dude that blows blow shit up, oh. I'm a fanboy. And uh, I'm just like staring at them with loving eyes. And they're just they're just so cool. They have the freaking hair and the pants are unbloused, and they got the tactical baseball caps. And then these these three Air Force dudes show up, and they're wearing their PT gear. And if you know anything about the old PT gear, like I said, it's it doesn't forgive. Their guts were hanging over. This one dude's pasty belly came out underneath the t-shirt because they were cut so short. Um, he had a bowl cut. He had the the nerdy um, and uh, muffin top. Yeah, muffin top. Air Force muffin top. What are those glasses called? Engineering glasses. And they come and they sit down right next to the Navy SEALs. They must have come from a com tent or something. Not no <clears throat> no offense Whoa. to com, but I'm just saying. I'm guessing that's where, or maybe a radar facility. I have no idea. Little PC. These guys were beeps and squeaks. They were listening to beeps and squeaks. That's the only thing. And I looked and the, the Navy SEAL, I see him kind of look over at them and smirk a little bit. And I was like, this is how, this is how a German shepherd looks at my Yorkie poo. <laughs> this is exactly how a German Lunch. shepherd looks at my Yorkie poo. Yeah. It was like, are we even the same species? <laughs> and that was when I saw that, I mean, at least I had like, you know, I had my nine millimeter on me. I was in my flight gear. I've kind of felt a little bit cooler, but I was, I just had to put my head down and get the hell out of there. Oh, so that's um, like you carry a nine mil and everybody else with a 45. Really? Yeah. Probably in the same caliber now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's my story about Air Force. Uh, they, they, they were, I guess back in the eighties, someone said, Hey, let's make our, our uniforms look more like a leisure suit, look more like an airline pilot suit. So they came up with those and they just never got it down. And the problem too, with the air force is that they have no sense of culture. I mean, look at the army, the army steps up and they're Get like, close. Hey, we're going freaking world war two badassery. Right. So they get their awesome pinks and greens and air force is still walking around with their freak. We had one uniform and it was like, the, the difference between two uniforms was you took your jacket off and there's your one uniform. And then to get in your next uniform, you put your jacket on and the jackets were, ah, man. I mean, you could be the Navy because the army has switched their uniform, what, three times now? They have. The Navy has now gone to all blue digital camis. So if you go overboard in the ocean. Yeah, you can't see you. You're blending. So is now anyone you're shooting? Fucked. Is anyone shooting at the Navy? I mean, I, I know missiles and shit, but I mean, are you <laughs> shooting? If you're on your boat or ship, whatever you guys call it, is someone shooting at you like, you, uh, 7.62 rounds that you have to hide on your boat. I mean, you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. What are you hiding from? In fact, you should be. Camouflage. Navy should be wearing big, bright orange uniforms. Time's at 826. <laughs> We're going to bring our guest on here yeah. in a second. Um, yeah, so that's all I have to say. Here's my question. Um, where where was... I had it written down here. Uh, I guess I can kind of remember off off the back of my head, back of my hand, but am I, am I just old and salty... Yes. Or oh, that was a, not a legit question. Sorry. Or does ninety nine percent of what I read, uh, these Air Force uniforms being exactly a perfect uh, example of that, I, am I justified to be pissed off by this? I don't know if you guys yes. keep up with with Task and Purpose, and we won't get political here. But if you read Task and Purpose, Military dot com, We Are the Mighty, um, there's a bunch of others, uh, Stars and Stripes. I I can't even read that right. anymore because I get in there. And I look at like the first two articles and I'm like, 
And then I read the next article. I'm like, God. You look at it and you just, you just shake your head like, no. I just, don't know no. if I'm just a grumpy old man or are we really just that dumb? So is it is it one of those like, you whippersnappers writing up these young That's articles? That's the question. That sounds, That's what the what question. it sounds like to me. At I this have point. no idea. But I, I get so angry and then I feel <laughs> bad about it. And I'm like, maybe I'm just an asshole. Maybe I'm just an asshole. And that well, could be the all? answer. That could be the answer. Um, but I would like to think that, no, there's a ton of shenanigans in the military right now. <laughs> and I am a wise old man, like that you would find on the top of Mount Siribachi. Sir, no, no, no. Uh, Mount Fuji. Siribachi was oh, yeah. at uh, Iwo Jima. Mount uh, Fuji. You know, I'm just I'm, I'm meditating there with my shirt off, probably nude. And you come up and you ask me questions. All right. It got weird. It just got always weird. got weird. Speaking of interviewees, let's bring on Lieutenant Colonel Mitch Taco Bell. His his call sign way too obvious, Mitch. They they really didn't go deep into the um <laughs> to the creativity. Okay, wait there. a minute. Stop. Air Force, <laughs> you 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 go top of Sarabachi naked, top of Fuji naked, and then you bring on your guest. And speaking of weird, uh, let's bring Paco on now. Thanks a lot, man. It, what an it, introduction. It definitely got weird. Um, that's what happens, you know, because what a lot of people don't realize is that at this point at night, what is it? It's 830. My day started at six. I saw patients all day. I ran around with kids. This is like technically at my men of our age, this should be where you want. This should be where you're sitting by the fireplace doing a crossword puzzle. But instead I'm trying to talk to people. <laughs> right? no, no, it's great, man. I got it. I got it. Nice. So you, How are you guys, we're doing Good, great. Man. We're doing great. Um, are you ready to be on the hot seat? We are going to, my goal is to make every veteran cry. Yeah, sure. So if we can do that, we <laughs> just kidding. Um, let's do this. Let's start with, Oh, I got so much you want to talk about. All right, let's start with you're down in the mask free zone. When does that start? You're in Texas. Uh, March 10th. Oh, man. So I, I read that it might not be as awesome as we think it is because a lot of the stores, the national chains are going to say, I don't care what you're saying, Mr. Abbott. We still require you to wear masks when you come into the uh, the store. Are you hearing anything about this or is it? Yeah. Really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all the news. I mean, look, this this is so political. I believe it's political in terms of 100%. You know, uh, people wearing the mask don't want to wear mask. What what he's saying is, you don't have to wear the mask if you don't want to. And then people are like, "Well, I'm responsible, so I'm going to wear a mask." And it's yeah. fine. You want to wear a mask, great. And if you don't, don't wear a mask. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed smelling my coffee breath for about that long. You know, so <laughs> that's true. Um, um, it gets old after a while. Walk into the store, remember, oh, I forgot a mask. And oh, you got to turn around, yeah. walk back to your car, grab your stupid mask. And, and yeah. Yeah. And every now and then I see some people like in the store without masks and I want to go up to them and be like, what's your secret, dude? How do you, how do you do this? Cause I, I would love walk to, in. I would love to, I just walk in, but I'm such a, I do you know what it is in <laughs> my, in my old age. I am. What's that word? Uh, don't, don't, don't. No, you know, I love, I love, I love the people you see driving around in the car by themselves wearing yeah. a mask. Yeah. Now maybe perhaps they forgot. <laughs> They walked out of the store and they have a mask on. Yes, yes, but I would like to think driving that. along, driving yeah. along the little Prius, with your mask wearing on, a mask, right? and I'm like, okay, whatever. Now, I wonder if that means I don't know if you heard during the uh, the introduction there or, or when we were talking earlier, but there's going to be a hike at Fort Worth on April 24th. I wonder if that means that they will be able to do it mask free and everything. That yes. must be. It must be. Yes. That's gonna yeah. Be yeah. Awesome. They're, you know, they're still they're saying just do your social distance, wash your wash your yeah. hands, and just be smart. But yeah. they're opening up the capacity, <clears throat> guys. I mean, when you think about this, 
closing down all the capacity for the restaurants. I mean, people are, are livelihoods are trashed, um, especially up in New York and, and wherever, um, California, it's, it was absolutely nuts. And, uh, to go out there on a layover and you, you can't even go to a restaurant, you got to order takeout and then you got to stand outside and call them on the phone. So when the food's ready, they bring it out to you yeah. and then walk back to your hotel and feel like a, Never mind. It, yeah. Oh, trust me. It is what medical, it is. Say a fucking idiat. Yeah, as, as a medical <laughs> provider, I, I, I have plenty, plenty of science back. See, what people don't understand is, is like, I don't know if you ever, if you ever got this feeling, but like when you were a kid and you listened to a band and you were like into this band a lot, and you're like, oh, this is my band, and then they make a popular song, and then everyone's like, hey, that's my favorite band. And you're like, what, dude? I've been listening to them for like ten years. Forever. And now you're, you're, and it just, for some reason, I mean, you should be happy that people are finally enjoying your band, but you don't, you take it personally. Cause you're like, this is my band. Well, working in medicine and having a flu season every year for the last decade, I have to make a choice for my clinic. Am I going to stock up on masks or am I not going to stock up on masks? And every single year for the last 10 years, I get into PubMed and I read hours upon hours of the literature that talks about masks and their efficacy. And without getting, again, I don't, this isn't the stance of Reverend Warriors. This is the stance of, of Kevin Sullivan. So I won't get too much into it. I've never been convinced. I've never once, I never once saw a study and said, well, that's it. Double up the mask this year. Never. Zero. And if you, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, there was a study that CNN did on, no, 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 no. I've read them all. I've, this is what I do. <laughs> and there's never been never been a study yeah the person walking around with two masks and your crop dusting down the aisle and the guy goes oh what was that you go yeah. hey man how effective is two masks you deuce yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah because you can smell what's coming out of my ass i mean I'm you, kind of the you crop guys you guys guy, were so. talking about the air force pt uniform yeah you yeah. know what cracked me up is um passing through bagram air force base and and everybody walking around in pt gear right and yep. they've got the rifle slung over their shoulder and they're just be bopping along, but they've got their disco belt. Yep. So, you know, you can't walk on Disney drive without getting hit by a, a, a big truck. So you got to have your disco belt on. And uh, it always amazed me. And then I was with the army down there in Kabul and I'm in the chow line and this young girl sitting there and a uh, guy she was with. And I, uh, I look at her and I go, Hey, um, I, can I ask you guys a question just as a brain? I'm just curious. What's that, sir? I said, uh, if the enemy came over the wall right now and came running down the main drag of Camp Eggers, shooting everybody they saw, what would you guys do? Oh, we'd, we'd get into action and shoot them. I go, really, with what? What do you mean, sir? I said, with what? With my rifle. And I go, well, unless you're hiding a magazine in your PT gear that I can't see, all I see is you with the rifle strapped around your, your in, you know, in right here. I don't see any magazines. Where are you hiding your ammo? And all of a sudden, the, like, the light bulb clicked. And, uh, and these soldiers were like, and I go, yeah, I mean, serious. They do that. Yeah. They pull a truck up, throw a board over, jump over the HESCOs, and start running through shooting everybody. What are you going to do? Hit them? The thing too is like how how good your tactics tactics have to be if you're wearing anything reflective. They just have one dude with a spotlight. Just go. you've seen people flash. jogging on the side of the road. You flash. can see them from a mile away. Just flat. Oh, there's one. Shoot him. Oh, oh look, there's yeah. another one. Shoot them. All right, there's one. It's it. 
Yeah, I mean, but hey, if we're talking about the brass making uh, rational decisions mm. that uh, made sense in a combat zone, then we would have nothing to talk about. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. you know, I actually, I, I, I've got, I've got to say though that the digital camis are so well, they work so well that when you're driving up with any sort of amount of dust in the air, uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, and you're driving up on a group of guys and they're in the digis, you cannot see them until you're right up on top of them. They work so amazing. that, okay, you know, we went to war and Garrison broke out, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you, I could see it on Disney Drive having to wear a disco belt, but when you're out in the yeah never mind yeah, yeah well you guys also the marines had a decent i mean you guys were early on with the the digicam where the army i remember it was probably like oh five maybe i remember those starting to see those guys come in with what was it like a pastel green and i was like what yeah. the hell is that what do you have they've changed about? they've changed your uniform their digis like three or four times i think yeah it's, is it three times now I don't know. I wow. just kept seeing it. I mean, we were, we, we just I've worn had, the last two. <laughs> we just had the beige flight suit. Like that never changed. So that was fine. Every now and then you would get the flight suit that was two piece. That was nice because you could take the top off yeah. and show your beautiful body. Oh, yeah, now we used to just, we used to undo ours, zip it down, tie it off, you know, t shirt sweaty. Do you know, uh, sitting there. do you know we had a, uh, I think he was the, the expeditionary air squadron that I was with. I think he was the command chief. Um, or the air wing, expedition air wing. And he would go down to the flight line. And this is, remember, this is like middle of the summer. Uh, inside the aircraft is 160 degrees easily. Sure. And he would bust guys for being out of uniform. And I was like, who? We're overseas, really? What? What planet are you from, dude? And this guy, I remember, I remember him because he was a T-tailer. That's what we call um, your KC-135. No, no. Uh, yeah, 135 guys, your... Uh, he was from a star lifter. So those, they're used to air conditioning. And he even yeah. said that he's like, just, just turn your air conditioning when you're in there, power up the ACU. And then we're like, dude, there's no air conditioning in a C-130 when you're apart. That's an oven until we get it up to altitude where you can bring in some cold air. <laughs> right. We were at, when we were at the Mech at Camp Fallujah, like we used to get yelled at all the time. Where's your eight point cover? I'm in the middle of Fallujah. What do you need an eight point cover for? The, oh, that's the. The, the Marine, the Marine yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no okay, so so when you're over at Fallujah, our command sergeant major over at uh, TQ decided that Marines could not wear the beanies. The issued the beanie, yep, the tan beanie. Oh, and that was great. That that was nice and warm. And so it was like, you got to be kidding me. We can't wear the beanie. And I'm in the meeting and I'm listening to this sergeant major say this. And I was, a, you know, I'm a terminal guy. I don't care. I'm like, hey, sergeant major, I, I'm just curious. It's issued gear. It is winter time. And it is pretty flipping cold here. Why we, can't we wear the beanie? We used to and, know that for wearing the um, the boonie covers because it also had that uh, that beanie esque warmth layer right at the forehead. Yeah, we used to we used to wear those all the time. We get yelled at. What? Why aren't you guys wearing your authorized headgear? This is authorized headgear. They, well, that's where Garrison breaks out in wartime. That's what makes you sit there and cringe. We had our our. Uh, plate carriers expired the armor that we had and it. it was from like 91 <laughs> and so they gave us they i remember they said pick up some new uh, armor on your way out to the aircraft and they were they were bulletproof vests they were like what do you call that the nine mil maybe maybe 357 at, it'll stop at best yeah uh yeah the thin stuff i still have it actually it's probably around here it's 20 years old now but um uh, yeah it was very thin well, you know what we used to do and you know they only let you have one diet coke Jesus, you know, when, Jesus you to, when, you, when you went to when you went to D, 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 D,
And you, yeah, so you get one Diet Coke. So what we Those do is we, we had to wear our um, – during Ramadan, they made us wear our uh, – flack going to walking out of the building to go to chow and you had to have your gas mask and all this stuff so we take the gas mask out we take the plate out and then it was like okay go get some go get some cokes here you go over to that one all right you go get some cokes and we come back and we you could stuff six nice. six cokes in there you know and then strap it back back right. over then we go throw them in our refrigerator and my cousin was an army engineer and he was a cw4 and he he was like, I'm never going to get into a firefight. It's just not going to happen. Uh, he was old. He was like 50 something when he was still. And he, no, sorry. Sorry, Mitch. I did not mean just that. Said, I just. Wow. <laughs> old, as, guy, old as hell. Yeah, I'm farting dust. It's okay. Guy that was I'm one of those there. guys. Do you know what he did? He went and bought an airsoft uh, pistol because it was lighter and he just didn't have to maintain it. And he carried that <laughs> around. Okay. I got some, I actually, believe it or not, I do have some interview questions with you. Um, oh, that's scary. I want to ask you about service back in 86 to 91 because on your, on your, um, I was just born. your bio, you said I joined in 86 and I became a, a I got two questions. It's kind of a two part question. Cause the next part is then you said you became a Naval aviator, uh, in 91. So what did you do from 86 to 91? That's part one. Part two is are Marine pilots considered Naval aviators? Yeah, yeah, we're naval. Well, we have we have the wings, naval aviators, nasal radiators. So, in '86, in February of '86, I've wanted to be a pilot. I was Army ROTC, and uh, the major called me in. He goes, "Hey, Mitch, um, uh, what do you want to do in the Army?" And I said, "Sir, I want to fly." And and he said, "Well, we only have one guy get a flight cool school slot. What do you think about being a uh, cannon cocker?" And I'm like. Sir, I want to fly, and I, and I actually walk across campus, and a H sixty landed uh, outside of the ROTC building, and these two guys get out, and they're they're like 18, 19 years old or something, maybe nineteen, twenty. They're I mean, about the same age, and I'm talking to them. The guy goes, "Oh yeah, high school to flight school." That dude had me about this close to quitting college and dropping out and going into the WO program to go fly. Yeah. Well, now I'm walking across, and I'm in a fraternity, Sigma Phi Epsilon. And I see one of my fraternity brothers. Now, in my fraternity, we had the ROTC guys, and then we had this little clan of Marine crazy weirdo guys. And they were they were nuts. And so the Army ROTC guys looked down on the Marines. Mm -hmm. And I see one of the Marines, and he goes, hey, Taco, what are you doing? I said, oh, nothing. And he goes, hey, Mitch, man, come here. I want you to meet my recruiter, uh, Captain Dave Berger. And so I go to the student union, meet him, and – he goes, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? Well, sir, I'm in Army ROTC. He goes, yeah, sir, he's one of our ROTC, Army ROTC guys. We need to get him into the Marines. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be an aviator. And he has a big thing behind him. And he's got all these pictures. He goes, well, you can fly uh, F-18, A-6, A-6B, Harrier. Uh, I've been in a, that. That's a CH-53. And he's reading all the, the labels. He doesn't even know the airplanes. He knows the <laughs> helicopter. 46 and a 53, he'd been in those. Well, anyway, he says, I can give you a guaranteed flight contract if you sign up now and go take this test at 2 o'clock. Well, I'm done with class. Okay, fine. So I go over and I take the air test. They go, hey, guess what? You passed. I'm like, what does that mean now? Well, you go get a physical. If you're you're good, then we'll oh, definitely the sign you up. Oh, my so I, uh, I go do the physical and I go to MEPS. And like I'm standing there and there's a guy next to me and the doc's looking in his ear and he goes, good God, 
you don't have an air drum. And the kid's like, huh, what? <laughs> and so you're out. And uh, anyway, pass. And I go sign the documents. And I go, you know, perhaps I better call my dad. So I call my dad up and I go, hey, dad, um, what do you think about the Marines? Oh, son, in Vietnam, those are great guys, blah, 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 blah. Well, I uh, took the air test for the Marine Corps, you know, to be a pilot, and I passed. He goes, son, where are you? Well, I'm at my recruiter's office. Have you signed any papers? <laughs> what, what are you doing there? And I go, well, actually, I signed up to go to OCS this summer. So I'm going to – it's <laughs> called the platoon leaders class. It's two six-week summer sessions. I'm going to go to OCS. And he goes, put your recruiter on the phone. So my recruiter gets on. He's a captain. My dad's a lieutenant commander in the Navy. And he's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. Sir, I get it. Hey, sir, I, I don't know what to tell you. Your son's over 18. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And <laughs> gives me the phone back. And I'm like, dad? And he goes, call me when you get back to the dorm. Click. <laughs> so uh, my recruiter is now General Berger, commandant of the Marine Corps. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, it's kind of it's cool, small world to to have him there but uh yeah so i i joined in 86 we'd go through you could do one summer for 10 weeks or you could be an idiot and go twice <laughs> you know it's yeah. kind of like touching the electrified wire and you touch it and then you touch it again just to did i really get shocked yep. you know I, ass so, I assume if you do the two the two thing you don't you don't go in the next one like a, a leg up. You're not like, oh, he's a second class person, right? You're still shit. No, so so you do you do uh, juniors in between. So in between my sophomore and junior year, I went to juniors, and then and that was in Quantico and Camp Upshur, which is literally when you drive to Camp Upshur, it's like a two hour drive from main base somewhere. You think you're out in the middle of absolutely nowhere you're actually like five miles from manassas there's mcdonald's you know later on as i'm flying my little chicky 140 going into manassas i'm looking down i'm like holy crap there's camp upshire and then oh my god there's a mcdonald's i could have actually eaten eat out through the woods and made it to the golden arches gotten a hamburger <laughs> or something but um <laughs> so then you go to main side and when you finish up main side when you graduate from college you get commissioned second lieutenant so in 88 may of 88 i was commissioned Started the basic school because every Marine is a rifleman, right? Right. Yep. And, and there's so many examples of guys, uh, Wake Island, um, got shot down after shooting three Japs down. His plane gets hit. He crash lands on the beach. He runs up to the line and he goes, who's in charge? And they looked at him. He said, you, sir, you're the ranking, <laughs> ranking guy. So he goes, okay, great. The Japs are about to hit. I want those machine guns focused on this area. I saw the ships doing the, and he took over so we always say you put on your your green trousers before you put your gold wings on because every marine's a rifleman yeah so yeah. we we That's go through cool. and we we live in the woods for literally four months monday through friday um for about four months you you're in the woods practicing squad um platoon company level exercises and then once you get done with that uh you finish up you you know, we were aviators, so we they called it FIGMAC. Fuck it, I got my air contract, and <laughs> um, and so the grunt the grunts are competing for those slots. So there might be only so many slots for this, 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 and this. And uh, aviators, we all knew we we're going down to Pensacola, um, so it made it a lot more relaxed and a lot more fun. We had a different attitude than the ground guys because it was very competitive. So I started. I graduated in February of '89. 
I took a uh, work for a staff position for a couple months. Then I went up to uh, Dover, caught a C5 to Mildenhall. And then from Mildenhall, an Army 123 shorts to Swisebrooken. And then I went bebopping around Europe for 30 days, backpacking, came back, checked into Pensacola, and then sat in a pool for a couple months. And then finally started Pensacola in like September of 89. Then went to Corpus Christi. Got done with primary, advanced, got my wings in January 91. Went to Little Rock to fly the C-130 initially. I didn't realize and, you guys trained there. Okay. Yeah, the we trained. Yeah. yeah, yeah, at the schoolhouse. And I was with the guard unit, okay. guard unit there. And so the big joke was, how much power does it take a Marine to taxi a C-130? <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, I'm a lieutenant. I'm a first lieutenant. Yeah. I'm like, what'd you say? And they go, how much power does it take? a Marine to taxi a C-130. And I didn't realize the running joke, this guy, Randy, ben, not Randy Bernard. Um, uh, sorry, Randy, if you're listening. Whoops. Yeah, it was, uh, his name was Bernie. God, I can't remember that guy's name. He literally, they landed gear up there in Little Rock Ooh. and they're, they're got all this power and they're like, it's not taxiing. Not the wheels moving. are locked, <laughs> not moving. Door, crew door. Kunk. So, um, yeah, we went there and then I went from there to the rag. And then to the fleet at 252, I checked in there probably March of 91. Now, now, did you want to be a heavy? Were you, or, or I mean, because everyone wants to be a fast burner. Come on. You know, everyone wants to get an F-18 or a uh, Harrier or something like that. So There you I, go. Wait, is I that grew, a F-14? Yeah, F-14. I grew up with my uncle uh, as my, you know, he's still my role model and idol. But uh, I grew up with my uncle, who's an F-14 Rio, and uh, puking dogs there in Virginia Beach. So as a kid, meeting the pilots and always talking about flying, I always thought, yeah, being a jet guy would be great. Well, then you get to flight school, and uh, it's there were 15 of us, and there was one jet slot, one prop slot. And so they always say it's based off of three things. It's based off of needs of the Marine Corps, yep. your grades, and what you want. <laughs> so, so that's that's what it was. So I was uh, lucky. Andy Gingy was number one. He put jets, jets, jets. Actual, he got jets. The number two guy wanted to fly Cobras and zap people. That's all he ever talked about, dude. I would just, I want to shoot people with my cannon and my Cobra. Helicopter. So he put Hilo, 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 actual Hilo, and I was number three. And I put props, jets, Helos, and I got C one thirties and. uh this is how dumb I was. I thought the, I go, hey, that's awesome. I got C 130s. I'm going to be a blue angel. Oh, and they're no. like, what? And I go, yeah, because, you know, the blue C 130 for the Marine Albert. Corps flies for Fat Albert. Yeah. yeah. Not realizing that we had three active duty squadrons and two. I mean, there's no, there was no books on it really back then. It was kind of yeah. funny. It's not like you could look on the internet or whatever. Nah, yeah, there's no Google. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you made me think of something, but then I, I just uh, lost my train of thought. The um, C Oh, yeah. What we used to say, and I don't know if it's still true, but you never wanted to be number two guy because the number one got his choice, right? So when we we were going through, uh, it's the same thing. You know, you put whatever aircraft or airframe you want. And if you were number two, they put you opposite of where number one went. So if number one went to F-15s or something, whatever he wanted, uh, usually every, everyone wanted special forces Hercs. That's in the in the Herc world, in the Air Force world, you want to be right. special forces Hercs. Um, the second guy would get like a tanker, 
get like a, a refueling nav slot and those are boring I and mean, i mean i know you guys oh, so you're saying that they the number two guy would get the number two selection of the number one guy no he would they called there was a name for it it was like talent dispersion or something but they didn't want to put all the smart people in one area at least that was the rumor it could also have been just bullshit, right and we just kind of all believed it but the number two guy, sure enough, got like a Riki plane. A um, I don't remember what it's called. It's Basically, got, he got the shaft. Yeah, and then the number <laughs> the number three guy gets something good. Number four guy, and um, but yeah, there was a weird thing that if you were number two, you weren't gonna go to something awesome. So no one, no one wanted to be number two. You're number one or whatever else. Uh, I love gonna- I love the Herc. I love the Herc. I love the crew concept. Oh yeah, we had we had mm-hmm. a, you experienced that as well. We had a different lifestyle. Yep. You got paid per diem, rocket on. When it positively, absolutely has to be delivered next week, give us a shout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> airdrop though, man. We used to airdrop stuff. I mean, it's a it's a cool, and it takes literally the entire crew, sometimes of six people, to fly that plane. Yeah. Successfully, and it's just I like to think of it as you know these are fifty year old aircraft. It's like um, uh, Mad Max, right? Uh, everyone is like. You go out to the aircraft, at least in the C-130 world, we go out to the aircraft, our uniforms are squared away, we got all our stuff. Second that crew door closes, baseball hats on, Hawaiian shirts, board shorts, flip-flops, just- Hula like girl was, on the dance. Yeah, the it was just, dash. it was total, I don't know. It was, it was, and part of me, part of me almost regrets it. I mean, I enjoyed that and I enjoyed the, you know, that, that kind of aspect of it that not a lot of people could see. But I also, at least in the Air Force world, we didn't get the full military um, experience, right? So uh, a lot of people will make all these jokes, you know, about this and that. And I'm like, I didn't really see that. I just saw my aircraft and my crew. And then every now and then we would, you know, see the the typical military BS that you have to deal with. But for the most part, and uh, one of the guys I flew with, actually, I flew an entire uh, uh, Iraq deployment with him was a, he was an aviator, a Marine aviator, but. I want to say he was a crew chief or something on the C-130s. And then he became a flight engineer through the Air Force and flew with us. And he told me, he goes, because I used to always be like, hey, how do the Marines do it? You know, I'd bust on him for being a Marine. You know, he was part of the crew. And he would say, uh, I remember his name was Bob Cooey. And he'd say, Sully, aviation Marines are a different breed. It's not what you're picturing in your head, man. And that always stuck with me. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got your own rolling crew when you you hit out somewhere. Um (laughs) <laughs> so like in lodges in the Azores, you know, you show up at two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you had drug deals with local people there. Like you would call them up on DSN. Hey, what do you need? And they would go, man, I need 20 cases of diet Coke with NutraSweet because all they could get was saccharin. <laughs> hey, I need a swing set from Walmart. I need car parts. And you would bring all this stuff. And, and as a single guy, like I'd, I'd haul my backup, my truck to the airplane and the loadmaster would help me load all this crap in. And when we got there, they would make breakfast for us. Um, you know, there was uh, Kay and, and Whip. They were our friends that lived right there by the BOQ. Yeah, i tell you a funny story in lodges. I'm sitting there. We I'd done my pre-flight. I'm a co-pilot. And this Air Force guy, this Air Force 130, is parked next to us. And this Air Force guy comes up, and he uh, taps on the, on the side hatch there. We didn't have the APU running. And he goes, hey, who's in charge here? And I'm, I'm like, well, I guess I'm the senior guy. What, what, What's up? And he goes, hey, come here. I want to ask you something. So I walk out and he, he points up at the number two prop and he goes, I know you Marines are a bunch of cheap asses and stuff, but how does that patch not affect the balance of your propeller? 
and I look up and no shit up on the, on the propeller, there is a, a patch with four bolts going oh. through it. And on the backside is another metal piece with nuts screwed into it. <sighs> and I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, for the love of Christ, I, I don't remember that in a walk around. I don't remember ever seeing that. That's not in the logbook. <laughs> what the hell? And I'm looking at it and, and it's just high enough up. I can't touch it. Mm -hmm. So I pull my pen out of my pocket and I reach up and I push it and it moved. Oh man. He had taken double-sided tape and had uh. this thing made and put it up <laughs> on the prop. It had a little ladder and he stood up there and put it on the prop and his buddy took the uh, little step stool away. I go, that is brilliant. I'm doing That's that. So awesome. I went to the metal shop and I made one of these things yeah. and I had double-sided tape and I would put it on there. And when I took a new guy around, I would walk him around and go, so how much fluid in that prop, you know, might come out with that patch on? Do you think they, <laughs> they glue it? And the guy's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, they got hollow blades and they got blades full of um, nitrogen. They got blades full of um, uh, gear oil and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it was always kind of fun. Yeah, God, I used to love doing that stuff. Um, sometimes it got annoying though, especially if if someone trashed your aircraft. That that would be a thing. Like if we were, I don't know, in Oman, Jordan, or something like that, and another Air Force crew comes in, and then they would just get on board and mess with all your stuff. There would be it was just or, awful. Or heaven forbid, you park next to a bunch of Aussies. Uh, <laughs> friggin' friggin' the Australians would come up. Favorite. And they would climb up on Names. the top and they would spray paint that big ass pink kangaroo fluorescent pink kangaroo nice. on your tail and and you walk back out and you're like ah i got tagged and so for the rest <laughs> of the day you're flying around with this big pink kangaroo nice. and they're all laughing at you mitch i just noticed it's 857 and we got we literally see this is the problem put a bunch of aviator or put two aviators together in a room and this is what you're gonna end up talking about i have about 47 questions we didn't even get to go let's quickly do the rundown um, and then I also want you to plug, uh, your show and mm -hmm. I, I always forget the name. It's, is it, is tall it tales with taco? Wait, say that again. Tall, tall tales. tales with taco. And that's on Facebook. People can find it. Tall. Tales yeah. With Facebook, taco. YouTube, just Google it. And you bring on, um, veterans, right? But you, you bring on more like historical veterans, like guys from world war two and uh, right? you know what? It's just anybody that, uh, interests me. Okay. Well, that's cool. just, I mean, like I had, um, Frederick or, um, Bill Fortune, uh, last night, he wrote uh, One Second After. Um, yeah. I had yeah. Daniel Flores. I saw Very him good. in a comment. I had him on, uh, you know, just Admiral Shakti, Bill Shakti. He was a guy that was in the Swift Boats that told um, uh, John Kerry, you know, to go pound sand after he yeah. got his first little Purple Heart. I had him on the show. Um, had the yeah. Commandant of the Marine Corps, Bob Mojeski. You know, you're talking about Medal of Honor guys. There's oh, wow. Oh, wow. You got to get um, uh, Billy Wah. See if you can get Billy Wah on the uh, on the show. He's like, you know who that is, right? That he was seventy years old and and still operating in Afghanistan with the CIA. I think is it Wah, W A U G H, or is it M E A W A U? Yeah, look him. No, up. I don't know him. I have He's to look him up. He's ninety one now. He's ninety one. He was a Green Beret. Uh, just, I mean, your typical badass. And then at the age of 70, the, uh, the CIA was like, oh, we need you to go in. And so there's a picture of the horse soldiers. I just actually, if you go into my, um, Instagram, I just, I just Instagrammed out the picture, but right in the middle is this bearded dude. And he looks like he's 40, he's 71 
on the back of a horse. It looks like wow. he's got an M249 and he's out operating. Um, really a Stud. cool dude. Okay. Uh, More questions. What is a word or phrase that means a ton to you as a for now be piv is it pivy? What's that word? Quick, uh, short answers. All right. What is a word or phrase that means a ton to you as a former Marine or aviator that a civilian will never understand? Good to go. All right. I like it. John Rambo versus John Matrix. Who is cooler? Rambo. I would go with John Matrix actually. Uh, only because of the, and when he throws that saw blade and oh, cuts okay. the dude's feet. Uh, that was fantastic. Um, finish this sentence. Marines are best at. Wearing dress blues. Damn That's right. true. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you guys that. Marines should never, ever. Date an Air Force chick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. You know, you're missing. <laughs> what scares the absolute shit out of you? Air Force chicks. <laughs> was, uh, spaghetti MRE. There you go. Ooh. Just MREs in general. Don't shit for three days. You know, they did a study and it's true. 100% true that if you eat MREs and can you imagine being in this study, they actually gave a bunch of grunts. One group, all MREs and the other group let them eat whatever. And they had to log every time they pooped. And sure enough, it slowed them down by about a day. And and they think because it's sterilized food, it, it doesn't, they don't get like uh, the, the normal bacteria in their gut gets all thrown off. And that's what causes Well, I think it. it's because it's like 15,000 calories per, per, per unit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 556, 7.62, 300 blackout or something weird. 6.5 Creedmoor, 338 Lapua. If you could only have one round during the apocalypse, what would it be? Five five six, really? Yeah, just because it's common common alley. I mean, look look how many um, you know wackadoodles running around with five five six. Yeah, you know, that's true. You go in there, kill them. That's pretty standard. But if you got a six point five Creedmoor, that's kind of a off brand and a three hundred blackout. Even though I would use that with my silencer, or I mean, I I would like that with a can mm -hmm. as a quiet weapon. Uh, once again, you've got different calibers that you have to have. So I'd go with standard NATO five five six. You can kill half a dozen people and get, you know, load back up. Yeah, they uh, the, in the apocalypse. I used to always not understand that whole round. Like I'm like, why is this round so effective? And then I did a T triple C course just recently uh, for my CME. So I have to take medical classes each year to keep my license. And uh, I, they went over wound ballistics for all the different rounds. And the five five six as I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. the five five six as small as it is. The way it, it behaves and the way like a normal wound channel will, will open up, but then the human body is elastic and it'll close back up. So yeah. uh, in the medical world, we say if you get shot with a nine millimeter, you're stabbed with a pencil, basically. Um, but with the two, two, three or the five, five, six, it turns the bottom falls off where it's crimped into the, the round. And yeah. then like a snowball or like, um, I don't know what you would call it, but like little mini, like microscopic shrapnel will then expand out with the wound cavity. And now you've got tissue damage versus just a stretch. So it's a very, very brutal. And 20, 22 round. is actually, my grandfather was a surgeon in World War II in, in the Pacific in Korea. Mm -hmm. And he used to talk about the worst gunshot wounds he had to deal with as a surgeon up in Knoxville, Tennessee, was somebody getting hit with a 22 
just like Ronald Reagan. It has yeah. enough velocity to get inside you, and then it just bounces around and it, it turns your insides into Swiss cheese. Now, it might take you a little bit longer to hit a artery and finally collapse, but you will collapse, and it's it's devastating round. Yeah, so 22s, you know, every every person my needs to pistol, have. My wife's pistol is um, – I think it's SR22. I think that's Ruger SR22. And um, people are like, oh, it's underpowered. I'm like, dude, first of all, my wife's five foot one, 110 pounds. Yeah, I think Accurate. a 22 is perfect. Right in the eyeball, man. <laughs> yeah, pow, pow, pow. No recoil, too. You can just keep no right recoil. On. It's, in fact, I don't know why I don't take that gun out more. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Uh, okay. In your opinion, who was the best music group that ever existed? <sighs> Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Welcome oh. back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so All glad right. you could attend. <laughs> move along, move along. Right. Come De inside. The show's about to start. He's definitely a flyer. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and the only person who's ever actually sung on the on the show. Um, right. Now, I, I know what your answer is going to be. I know what your answer Only because you're, it, it's, it's like, it's. I just know what your answer is going to be. But still, it's an interesting question. John Bastalone fights Bastalone. Bastalone. No oh, sorry. Fights Audie Murphy. I always thought it was Bastalone. Bastalone. Ah. Really? That's my Bastalone. bad. Oh. I should just bail on this. Anyways, he fights Audie Murphy. Who wins? John. Audie was a little guy. I mean, he's a stud. Don't get me wrong. I read his autobiography. I loved it. Um, yeah, him jumping up on that tank and grabbing the fifty cow. He's a stud. Yeah. But he's a little guy. If you're talking about brutality and fighting. Bastalone. John Bastalone's a New York, uh, Brooklyn Italian. He's gonna whip his butt. I yeah. mean, I, and Murphy, Murphy's tough little. You know, it's some of the guys I wrestled that were the hardest were the ninety-eight pounders. Didn't so, he, didn't he drink himself to death too? Audie Murphy. Yeah, uh, that I don't know. That's Bastalone was killed on Iwo Jima with uh, Ira Hayes. I mean, he same thing. He uh, yeah, Bastalone was uh, was killed on Iwo Jima, but. Uh, yeah, I hate to hear stories like that. You know, it's right. like yeah. these guys you know, held off. I think he held off an entire German. I, I want to say it was larger than a platoon, right? It wasn't like, Oh, it was, it was way more than that. He, he whacked a lot of guys with that 50 yeah, yeah. up on the burning tank. I, I, he did. He just like, um, Ira Hayes, he drowned in like a foot of water or whatever. Ira Hayes drowned in like three inches of water. Uh, do you know what's, uh, totally not here nor there, but, um, I was watching flags of our fathers. I built a, uh, uh, studio or not a studio. What the hell do you call it? Movie theater. Um, uh -huh. you know, we're sitting around. I had this room that we weren't using upstairs. I'm like, I'm going to build a theater. I've never had one. So I built, and now I go up there and I watch like all the movies that I haven't seen on a big screen. And I was watching flags of my father or yeah, flags of our fathers. And I start looking up the guys on the, um, uh, the memorial, Iwo Jima memorial. And I didn't realize that over the past five years, they, they switched those up. Some yeah, of the well, were taken off and people were put on. I was like, "What?" Because they were they were finding out who was actually there. Yeah, yeah. There, there was there was a guy. There was a historian that went through, um, and he, no kidding, matched the way guys wore their gear with yeah. pictures that they had taken up on. I mean, there's so many neat things about that whole story, in terms of like when when they took the initial photograph and they asked him, "Did you stage that photograph?" He was thinking. Uh, the picture of all the guys up there doing like the yep. bonsai. Woohoo, we did it. And he didn't realize what they were talking about. But um, 
that yeah, so he he said yes but he wasn't yeah you're right he was talking yeah. about the first flag not the second flag yeah it was raised twice yeah. right the first flag and so when you see the video the first flag goes down and then the second one stays yep. up yep um that yeah. that whole thing with him with the dock you know we've said that for 50 years right uh, 75 years one corpsman well when they said you're getting your ticket home if you think about how much carnage you had seen at that point. Oh yeah. You know, if somebody offered you the ticket to get out of Fallujah, the battle of Fallujah and said, Hey man, we know you stormed that house with, um, him, him and him. Right. Uh, yeah, I was there. All right, man, you're out of here where you're going to go do a war bond thing. You, I mean, you'd hate yeah. to leave your guys, but given the opportunity after the carnage you'd seen in that battle, I don't blame him. So he left and he never gave an interview. Yeah. Do you know that? People will call up and say, hey, I want to talk to your dad about about his time on uh, the flag raising and stuff. And he go, tell him I'm I'm out fishing. Yeah. He never gave an interview his entire life because I think he knew, you know. And I think what was interesting in the movie is they talked about Harlan Block. The mom saw the picture and was like, that's my my boy Harlan. They're like, oh, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. And sure as shit, it actually was Harlan Block. So I don't know how, how, um, how accurate that story was, but and I haven't and gone I, up and seen if they've changed the names on the Iwo Jima Memorial, uh, yeah, or if they have the look. names up on the Iwo Jima Memorial. I have to go yeah. up and look. They, um, uh, Ira Hayes didn't want to be named. I mean, At he all, was no. he was the most uh, uh, troubled one of them all. He was like, I don't want to do this. This isn't. In fact, he in the movie, and they say this is true. He pulled his K bar on on. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember the original guy. Uh, but he pulled his K bar on him. So, so they knew who one of the guys were. They're like this, no kidding. This is who it is. And so they're like, who else was there? And then the other Marines are like, don't freaking tell it with me or whatever. Damn thing. Yeah. And yeah. and he said, if you do it, I'll kill you. But he ended up there like, you're going to get court martialed if you don't tell the truth. So tell us who it was. And he, he gave him up. But, um, there needs to be, I think there needs to be a, um, a biopic about, about, um, and, and, you know, obviously there's been books and stuff about Ira Hayes, but, um, you know, the, the modern language history is taught now in movies, uh, unfortunately. Well, and, uh, you know, get his name out there. I think, you know, there should be a good. Of course, Tony Curtis playing Ira Hayes in, uh, <laughs> in you know, what is it? Uh, they would cancel culture would uh, throw oh, that God, movie yeah, out yeah. now. Um, <laughs> well, Netflix at- is not going to show it anymore because a white guy played an Indian yeah. in the movie. Look at John Wayne uh, playing uh, Genghis oh Khan. God, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I agree. You, you could really have, I mean, there's some so many talented actors out there, uh, Native American, that could really portray that kind of like Wind Talkers. Yeah. That was yeah. a great movie. I yeah, love the guy. Too. That, Just watched that the other day. In fact, that's yeah. the same guy that played Ira Hayes in uh, uh, Flags of Our Father, yes. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Right. Hey, uh, that's, you know, this is good. It's always good. I tell people this. I didn't get to, I wouldn't say half your questions. I didn't get to about 98% of your questions. That just means we have to have you back on because when you have a weekly show, constantly looking for guests. So we'll get you All right, back well, come on. on. Come on. Give, give me another question. You want one? Okay. One more. Another one. All one right. I'm ready. Look through here. We did the blackout. Three, five, something. Okay. Um, what is something a civilian would never understand about service in the Marine Corps? That's a great question. What would they not understand? Um, yes. Joining a cult. Yeah. You know, understanding know what makes a Marine a Marine. It, it's a cult. It's the you know smallest, largest gun club in the world. But, you know, you always get guys that go, 
Yeah, I almost joined the Marines. Yeah, yeah right. You <laughs> went. Yeah, yeah, right. Whatever. You know, until you get through boot camp and uh, and you get done with that, and you look and you go, that guy could not do it. That guy couldn't do it. That guy could definitely not have gone through what I went through. <laughs> now, makes you makes you. It does do something up here to make you sort of invincible. I hate to say. Um, I, I can honestly say never crossed my mind. I went over to the Navy and I told him I want to be a Navy SEAL. And the guy laughed at me. And then the Air Force guy was like, hey, you want to be a attack P? And I'm like, all right. And then that's it. I went 200 and something years of, of Sullivan service in the maritime world ended right there. And I went to, <laughs> to the Air Force. Well, that was my grandfather was uh, Navy. My uncle was F-14s. My dad was a chief engineer on ships. And okay. I joined... I joined the uh, Marines and my grandfather says, now, you know, you can't get your picture up in the rogue gallery unless you're wearing your dress whites. <laughs> Do you guys have? No, no, no. We, we did. Oh, we had did? dress whites yeah. back in the day. That's no, how old shit, I am. Really? Wow. So you're asking about Medal of Honor. The first Medal of Honor recipient I met was Barney Barnum. And he came to our mess night. Now we're drunk lieutenants and we're pretty hammered. And we're, we go back to the uh, queue and people throwing beer on the floor. And we're doing carrier calls where you run down the hallway and then slide in the beer to the end. And you try to drop your feet to catch a sheet going across, catch the wire. Yeah. And here comes Colonel Barnum. He was a full bird colonel and he's drunk too. And he comes up and he pulls his blouse off and he goes, I'm going. And and we're like, sir, sir, you want to take the medal off and, you know, we'll protect it and say, ah, screw it. They'll, if I lose it, they'll give me another one. Uh, if I screw that thing up, they'll just give me another ribbon. Don't worry about it. And he's doing carrier quals with his medal of honor down the hall with the lieutenants. That Holy guy crap. was my first medal of honor recipient. Now we're friends now all these years later. And I work with all these medal of honor recipients or I have over the years. It's just been fantastic. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a real honor like you're talking about, but they're just average guys that stepped up. Yeah. And did extraordinary things. I think, I think it's the weight and the history of the metal that, that gets me. Um, so like when I met Clint, it was like, okay, I get it. I get, you know, we all know his story now and all this stuff, but, uh, th it's the metal itself, right? How much, yeah. how many people bled out in the fields of Vietnam or, uh, in the, in Okinawa or in the best or, you know, wherever, and, and their story wasn't told and they deserved that medal. So these guys are wearing that medal for everyone. And it's like, yeah, they do. They, they'll man. tell you, it's not for me. It's, yeah. it's for my buddies. I mean, the it's first for their ones buddies, it's that. for, I mean, it, yeah. it's for it, in perpetuity. It's for every soldier that was and ever will be. And it's like, God, man, I, I, it, when you, when you think about it, I, it's, that's something I don't think I could ever. I mean, I, I understand why a lot of these guys are troubled afterwards and, and self-medicate with alcohol and whatever. Cause it's just, Oof, a little it's a big it's a huge responsibility and Absolutely. they do a great job they yeah. they have a society and the society is their fraternity and helps helps the guys out and stuff right. mm -hmm. so they do a really good job taking care of the guys especially the new young guys all right mitch i really really appreciate you coming on the show you uh, bet anytime lots of fun yeah we could hey, go for I six got, hours but <laughs> i got one i got one thing for you as a navigator yeah. okay i don't know if you ever did this but you know your sextant port mm-hmm not that, I mean, you Air Force guys probably have sex with it, but you have this sextant port, that uh, negative pressure. Yeah. And one of our engineers figured out how to hook a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, attachment. So we'd vacuum the cockpit. Yeah. Well, this is like 92. We're coming home from, from lodges and we had those, you know, that Yardbird lunch that you get. Mm -hmm. 
you you pay like five bucks and you get a a, a lunch Air Force lunch from the right. thing delivered, and we'd buy all these extra meals. Well, we're sitting there flying, and I hear the navigator and the loadmaster laughing, Was and it I'm eggs? and I turn around, look, and they're taking the egg and they're <laughs> they're hitting that that thing and it's going <laughs> and it disappeared. Yep. They put a ham sandwich up there, yep. <laughs> and then the whole thing would disappear and mustard and and mayonnaise is spraying everywhere, and they and we were we we're all throwing our food up there, and then. We had a good laugh about it until all of a sudden I realized, shit, I don't have anything to eat, man. It's yeah. a long ways to Bermuda. <laughs> and it's just splatting the tail. Uh, yeah. We used to take, um, uh, you know, those little toy soldiers with the parachutes? Oh, yeah. We would tape um, chem lights to them, and then we're flying over like a populated area of Iraq. Yeah. And we would just boom, 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 shoot those up just to freak them out, right? Because you know somebody's there and sees this thing come down like, what the hell is this? <laughs> or we would shoot um, Twix bars, uh, Snickers bars, same thing. I wanted somebody walking downtown Baghdad to suddenly get hit on the head with the Snickers and just look up and be like, <laughs> where'd that come from? Oh, it was great. Or, um, or the loadmasters that would sit there were flying over uh, Arizona somewhere. And I hear them laugh, and I, I look back, and I go, what are you guys doing? They said, hey, sir, tune up HF1. So I tune up, and I uh, deselect. And I, we're in F models, and I select HF1. And I hear the guy going, you know, hey, Big Willie, what's your 20? And the guy goes, oh, I just passed mile marker 156. And he goes, hey, man, good buddy, I passed mile marker 158. You meet me up here for a little fun? And the guy's oh, like, I ain't your good buddy. And and then the guy would get mad. The trucker would get mad. And as he's talking, all of a sudden they would hit the transmit button and they would launch like 121 million gigawatts down into this guy's receiver. And then you'd hear him go, hey, Big Willie, where are you? No answer. <laughs> hey, Big Willie, where are you? And then you wait for the next guy. Hey, break one nine. Hey, what's your 20? <laughs> you know? That's Yeah. We, we uh, Especially with that UHF, it's amazing how you can sit there and fly and I used to just go, I don't even remember what it was called anymore, but you know, when you could go onto the, the ultra high frequency and, and talk to someone and patch a phone call through, and these guys are all volunteers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we, I would just be bored and I would call people up and be like, Hey mom, we're flying over, um, middle of the Atlantic right now. I'm just, it, it's, over. it's cool. It's a lot of fun in that aircraft. It was. Um, well, I, I could talk for hours. Bring me back on, man. We'll have some fun, brother. Definitely. I'm going to bring you on my show. So then we're, it's going to, it's going to be all. All flying stuff. All right. We'll have both you, both you guys on and we'll do all flying stuff. There, There is no lack of stories when it comes to, to flying. All I had was 1,200 hours. 750 of them were combat. Uh, and then I got hurt. And then that was it, the end of my, my flying. But uh, I packed a lot in those 1,200 hours. It's for damn well, sure. Well, you and me have yeah. been sitting there shooting the bull and I haven't heard anything from Jeremy yet. So yeah. we got to have Jeremy I'm talk. the comedic side of this. Je Jeremy's the producer. He's over there running. I control everything over here. So <laughs> yeah. I'm the comedic guy. So when you see the jokes and stuff like that, and the, yeah, that's that's this guy. Yeah. Jeremy, you <laughs> need to come down and help me out, man. I'm telling oh, you. I can help you out, man. That's All right, brother. Well, listen, you guys have a great night. It was awesome talking to you. Appreciate awesome. it. I'll man. catch up with you on another show, my friend. We'll see you again. All right. All right. Take out here. Hey, folks. Thanks for checking out the 21 Gun Podcast. Text, call, write. We always come up with like every single way you can call someone. FaceTime. Walk next door. I got a 74-year-old Vietnam vet next door here. We check on him every now and then. But uh, reach out. It's the whole reason why we're here. Um, we tell these stories. We stay connected um, just because that's what we're supposed to do. If you leave somebody on their own, you get isolated. And 
shit goes sideways. So call te- right now. Right now, when we, we end this broadcast, just be like, okay. In fact, you know what? If you're watching, I'm just going to start texting people. Right now. Set the place on fire.